Hello and welcome to I'm Sorry I Can't Don't Hate Me, the Sex and the City review podcast from two series first timers. I'm Kristen and I'm here as always with my co-host Megan. Hello. And today we are talking about season two, episode two, The Awful Truth. So before we dive in, we just want to give our standard warning that this episode contains spoilers. We do a full recap. So if you want to watch the show along with us, we recommend you going and doing that and then coming back to us and hearing us break it down for you. This episode, we also wanted to give a very light trigger warning. There will be some discussion of domestic abuse, but mostly verbal abuse. So if that's something that you're sensitive to, you might want to skip this episode. With that in mind, it's time for our check-ins. Megan, how are you? How's your week been? Hey there. You know, it's been a very uneventful week, to be honest. Not a lot has happened uh, since we last recorded. What were your highs and lows for the week? I think just because there hasn't been a lot going on, all of my highs are cat-related still. My two little kitty buds are getting along well, although sometimes a little, a little dicey on whether they're fighting or playing, but I think mostly playing. But it's good to see them getting along so well, so that's still my high from the last time we talked. In terms of lows, it's just been a super hectic week with work. So I'm feeling like a bit tired and burnt out. It's like everybody wants to get everything done before Memorial Day for whatever reason. And it's just been really just a slog this week. But mm. other than that, it's not too bad of a week. And what character are you channeling this week? I'm going to have to go ahead and say that I'm channeling a Miranda this week. I've just okay. been really tired, which is then kind of resulting in me being a little bit cranky. And I think you you would all agree that Miranda is the crankiest of the four women. So I'm going to say Miranda this week. What about you, Kristen? What are your highs and lows? Who are you channeling? So we are recording this a little bit in advance of release. We are gearing up for Memorial Day weekend and I am going on a trip with my friend. I am very excited. I really need a vacation. I just want to be out in the sunshine and just relaxing. So my high is the anticipation of that. And my low is anytime you're going on a trip, there's a lot of work to be done. I need to clean up. I have thrust the care of my two cats and my two foster cats onto Mitch. So just making sure that they have food and he knows what he's doing and I need to get them all prepped for that. So it's a lot. But yeah, overall excited. It wasn't too bad of a week in spite of all the preparation. I think I'm channeling Samantha because she seems to be the one in general, not in this point of the show, but if we're going by stereotypes for the channeling, I'm kind of a Samantha this week because she enjoys her life and gets the most out of it, I think. And that's what I'm striving for in my pre and during vacation mode. All right. I love that. We love to channel Samantha. We haven't seen her best off the last couple of episodes, but not. I think she's got it in there somewhere. We'll see. It, it could be a big character shift. I'm actually pretty excited to see where they're going with the characters. All right. Well, I think we are going to get to the recap in just a few minutes. But first, we have a little episode research for you. Megan, do you want to share some items you found this episode? Sure. Yeah, happy to do that. So season two, episode two, The Awful Truth. This episode aired on June 13th, 1999. It had an IMDb rating of 7.2, a bit of a fall from grace compared to last week where we saw a very solid score. 
Fun fact is that the title of this episode is in reference to a 1937 movie with Cary Grant of the same title. And the entire movie, from what I could tell, is about an amicable divorce. So that was pretty interesting. I wonder if the Cary Grant, Cary Bradshaw connection was intentional or just coincidental. Who knows? This episode was written by Darren Starr. And I've got to say, you'll understand when we get to the recap, it was very obvious to me that that was the case. And then it was directed by Alan Coulter, who directed last week's episode as well. We had a few guest stars. The first was an actress by the name of Molly Price. She plays a character named Susan Sharon in this episode, who is a friend of Carrie's. She's a TV actress. She's been in all of the usual shows, Law and Order, those kind of things. She will make a reappearance in Sex and City in a couple of seasons from now. So keep her in mind. I thought that was interesting. And she will be playing the same character. It's not a Justin Thoreau situation where... He is in this series twice as two different characters. We have not yet met the second. When I first saw her, I recognized her, but I couldn't really place her at first. And then I realized she was in this like really weird Kevin Bacon cult show called The Path from a few years ago. And some of that was actually filmed in Brooklyn. So that was why I was like, huh, interesting. But that's it on Molly. We also had Neil Jones, who is playing this character's husband, Richard. Again, a big TV actor, has been in a couple of movies, the most notable being Dirty Dancing and also G.I. Jane. We have Daniel Garrell, and we've actually seen him before, but I don't think we called him out last time. He's Mr. Big's friend, Jack, aka Mr. Marvelous, and we saw him previously in Valley of the 20-something Guys when Carrie goes on a date with Big and he brings his friend with him, so she leaves, obviously. He is from London, and for somebody that hasn't done a lot of notable stuff, has a very extensive IMDb biography, so assuming him or one of his friends wrote that, but he was in a very very tiny role in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. And it seems like he does do a decent bit of theater acting. And fun fact about Neil and Daniel is that they were both in a movie called The Heterosexuals, another one I had never heard of, but it looks very bad from what I could see. So potentially some connections there. And that's why we're seeing folks from the same place. Last one is Marilyn Sokol. And she is a couples counselor that we're going to be introduced to in this episode. She also has a really extensive IMDb for a mainly bit part TV actress and off-Broadway actress, but she's been in some like minor roles in The Producers and the critically acclaimed Crocodile Dundee 2, very important. My favorite thing about her, though, is that she used to be a mime, and I think that is just the best. She's also been a nightclub singer. She did voice acting work for Sesame Street from 1971 to 1981, and she was one of Steve's friends on Blue's Clues. So really just... Yeah, just a jack of all trades. She's done a little bit of everything. But being a mime is my favorite thing that she's done. And that's pretty much it for research. I think we can go ahead and jump into the recap. Okay, so we open with Carrie typing in her apartment. And she is writing about her friend, Susan Sharon who Carrie says two years ago married a mean man. We see in the apartment Susan drinking and in the background her husband is screaming at her about not putting the Natalie Imbruglia CD back in the case. It seems like a real great guy. 
And Carrie says because of Susan's marriage, she only sees Susan once or twice a year. And it's usually when her husband is out of town. So we cut to a night when Carrie and Susan are actually getting to spend time together. They're walking down the street and smoking cigarettes. And Susan's enthusiastically telling Carrie a story. And they seem to be having a great time. Then Susan says, oh, I have something for you. You have to come up to my apartment. They go into the apartment and Carrie's very impressed with how nice and adult Susan's apartment is. But she shushes Carrie and she's like, oh, no, Richard's asleep. We have to be quiet. And then she gives Carrie an early birthday present. It is a cashmere scarf. We had also learned that Susan works in cashmere. She's like a cashmere buyer. And she tells Carrie that that scarf is pure cashmere. It retails for $900 at Barney's. And then Carrie asks, do you think I could return it? I could really use the cash. Susan seems fine with that. And they laugh about it being called cashmere. And they're laughing about it when Richard comes out. And he's very angry that they woke him up and he's screaming about a rule where they can't have guests in the apartment after 9 p.m. And then it's very weird and Carrie gets up to leave and she says bye grumpy to him and he says get the fuck out of my house and Carrie he literally screams it. Yeah, he, he screams it. that actor. I will say this actor I think does a great job. He really like you could see the veins in his head pop. He really does scream like all of his lines in this episode and Carrie literally runs out of the apartment. So we see Carrie get home and she's wondering about whether fighting in the relationship was really bad or if it's like a foreplay thing that they do. And Susan brought her up intentionally to make Richard mad because that's sort of their thing. But then the phone rings and it is Susan calling Carrie. She's whispering. She wants to apologize to Carrie for what happened. And Susan says, oh, yeah, he's really bad. I can't put up with this. What would you do, Carrie, if you were in this situation? And Carrie is kind of confused. She doesn't really know what to say but she says well if you're unhappy and she's like okay so you think I should leave him she's bluntly asking Carrie you know what would you do what should I do tell me Carrie and Carrie says well if you're not happy life's too short and then Richard coughs in the background and Susan says I have to go and hangs up the phone so Carrie's concerned that she's been placed in a no-win situation so then we see the next day Carrie's with the gang and they're eating someplace and Miranda is telling Carrie that you can't tell a friend to leave their husband and Samantha agrees with Miranda for once. If Susan does leave her husband, it's Carrie's fault. If she doesn't, then she knows that Carrie thinks that she's in a bad relationship and doesn't like Richard. So it's lose-lose. Charlotte thinks that in an intimate relationship, you should be able to say whatever you need to say to that other person. Unclear how that actually ties in with the conversation, but Samantha says that she disagrees and the foundation of best relationships are based on lies and mutually accepted delusions. So she's referring- Yes. She's turning it back to talk about herself. She is still dating the man James, who we've learned in the previous two episodes, has a small penis. So she says she's pretending that James doesn't have a small dick and he's pretending that he hasn't noticed that they haven't had sex in three weeks, uh, which is a lot for Samantha. Miranda then turns it back to her because she is dating a new guy who they call Spring Roll Guy because she met him at a food truck. And we learn that Spring Roll Guy likes dirty 
dirty talk when they're in bed. His name is actually Aaron Melman. And we flash to a scene of him and Samantha in bed. He's kissing her and talking a lot. And Miranda's not really into it. So she's kind of complaining to the gals about it because she says when she's having sex, she doesn't want to have to chat. And they're all like, really? You don't say anything? Charlotte is kind of being the one that's most descriptive about what she says. And I think that's supposed to be cute because everybody knows Charlotte's the most reserved one. But Miranda makes her point that she doesn't want to have to talk or think about communicating when she's having sex. She has a busy life. So this comment sparks the idea for Carrie's thesis of the episode. In relationships, are there still certain things that one should never say? So now we're back to another talking head scene. We see somebody who says that their best friend is going to marry someone she hates, but what can she do about it? The next man says that his wife has had two boob jobs and while they look great, they feel terrible, but he can't say that to her. There's a woman that says she's a single 38-year-old woman who's still hoping to get married, so she doesn't want to know the truth. And then we see Susan talking about Richard and how she doesn't want to be married to him anymore because he's an asshole. And then we realize that she's not on the street. She's actually in a store with Carrie explaining what happened. So Susan's explaining to Carrie that she told Richard that she didn't want to be married to him anymore. And he told her that on their wedding day, he was disappointed by how Janine Eric she looked and they obviously really got at each other. She told him that the balding medicine isn't working and a back and forth saying rude things. And then Sharon says, yeah, he said that if we break up, I'll be single forever and he'll probably be married again in one year. And Carrie thinks to herself, that's probably true, which kind of uncalled for, but let's discuss. So then Susan says she feels like she owes Carrie because if it wasn't for Carrie, she wouldn't have had the guts to leave. And she's so thankful for Carrie and she's hugging her and Carrie's being very standoffish and noncommittal about the whole thing. But then she asks if she can stay with Carrie that night, which of course Carrie agrees to, but pretty reluctantly. So the same night we see Charlotte and she is coming home to her new man. Carrie explains in the voiceover that after being fed up with her lack of success in dating, she decided to get a dog whose name is Henry and he's a really cute little Jack Russell looking guy. So Charlotte comes home and like takes down her hair and looks at herself in the mirror seductively. And then she opens her bedroom door and Henry's on the bed. It was a very weird scene. Nobody would come home to their new dog like that. But meanwhile, Samantha is still obsessively thinking about James and his small penis and thinking what she's going to say to him if they're going to talk about it. James asks her if there's anything wrong and begs her to tell him. And she responds that nothing's wrong. She's just very tired in a very weird scene that looks like it's a play. Both characters are not facing each other. They're facing an invisible audience, which was really weird. I don't know if they were doing that intentionally. Samantha's going to bed and she's just not into it. And then James asks her if she would go to couples counseling with him. Samantha, you can tell from her face, is pretty horrified, but she agrees. Across town, Miranda and Aaron are at it again. And Aaron is doing his little chatty thing and trying to get Miranda to participate. So she starts saying things that are very like non-committal. But then when she sees how like excited he gets, she's kind of into it. Meanwhile, Charlotte has Carrie and Susan over to meet Henry, who is already proving to be a massive disappointment to Charlotte. Susan tells Carrie that they should go back to her apartment soon so she can see if Richard is called. And Carrie says she thought that Susan was planning to leave him, 
Susan says she is, but she wants to be home if he calls so she can tell him that she doesn't want to talk to him. And then Charlotte tells Susan that that's pretty passive aggressive and says that Susan should only speak to him if she has something specific to say, which is a very like direct insult to Susan, which was funny. So then Susan's like, well, he can be sweet sometimes. You actually don't really know him that well. And I just really can't believe he hasn't called. And then Susan kind of grabs Henry the dog's face to like shake it and he nips at her. And I don't know if they're trying to say like, that's a bad dog or they're trying to say that Susan's a not sweet person, but it was kind of Susan's fault. You shouldn't grab a dog like that. I read it as that it's not a good sign. Richard's not actually a nice person. Even the dog knows. So the next morning, Carrie wakes up into her apartment buzzer. And as she's walking to answer the door, she looks over and Susan's like asleep on the couch, just like hanging off of it. And Carrie's disgusted by her. But when she answers the door, it's a delivery person with a box of red roses that Carrie sees is from Mr. Big. And with it comes a note that says, best wishes on your birthday. So we see the girls at a diner and they're talking about the roses. Miranda says that she would just rip up the card, which Samantha agrees with again. They've been agreeing a lot this episode. Charlotte disagrees and says that these roses are the grand gesture. And she's explaining the concept if you break up with somebody and they leave, but then they realize they want you back. They'll do a grand romantic gesture. So Miranda kind of scoffs at that and is like red roses and a note are not a grand gesture. Carrie is pretty upset by this. She is unsettled and it's her birthday and she doesn't want to have to like play games with him or think about it. This whole time, Charlotte is holding Henry in her lap and he's kind of like chewing and sticking his head in her purse. And he's also dressed in like a plaid outfit. So finally, Samantha tells Charlotte to lay off Henry and Charlotte gets angry and leaves. Back at home, Carrie thinks about what the girls said and decides that even though they're broken up, she wants to be polite. So she gives Mr. Big a call to thank him for the flowers. He does answer and he says, oh, his secretary had her birthday on his calendar. So Carrie assumes that that means the secretary sent them. But he's like, no, the secretary let me know it was your birthday. So then he's like, what are you doing tonight? And she tells him that Stanford is arranged for a party at this Moroccan restaurant and says, you should come. But then he's like, oh, okay, I might stop by later. You know, I might bring someone. And Carrie's like, yeah, that's fine. But clearly from the way she's acting, she feels really stupid for even asking him. And now she's upset that he's going to show up at her party with a date. So we see that afternoon, Samantha and James are at couples therapy. Samantha is continuing to try and stick with her line that she's just not that sexual anymore. And the therapist is asking how long they've been together or how long it's been since they've had sex. And James says that it's been a month. And the therapist suggests that they not try to take it too seriously. And maybe they play erotic games. And Samantha's being a very evasive. She's saying she's just not feeling sexual. But then James is like, well, I saw you masturbating the other day. And then therapist mentions that not all women can have an orgasm through intercourse. And James says that Samantha has problems with intimacy, which Samantha is not super happy to hear. She starts feeling overwhelmed. And then the therapist is like, that's all the time we have for today. We'll have to meet again next week. And as they start planning that, Samantha realized that she really just doesn't want to do this. She doesn't want to come to the therapist. It's all too much for her. So she blurts out the truth, which is, James, you have a small penis. And James instantly gets defensive. And he says that it's not... (laughs) 
<laughs> he said, maybe his penis isn't too small. Maybe her vagina is just too big. And then he storms out the door. And Samantha has an exchange with the therapist where the therapist is like, yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> that would be a problem. <laughs> So now we cut to Miranda and she's really getting into the dirty talk stuff with Aaron. They're into it and they're talking post-coital about what they like to do to each other. And he's asking Miranda, what do I like in bed? And she's saying all the classic things. And then she's like, yeah. And then you kind of like it when I stick a finger in your ass. And he gets horrified and is just like, oh, that's too far. But he does like it, but he doesn't like talking about it. So that was it for him and it's over. But now we're at Carrie's birthday party. We're in a Moroccan restaurant. Everybody kind of seems like they're dressed in theme. Miranda is telling them about what happened and she didn't know that you weren't supposed to say the finger in the ass thing. And they all sort of agree that a lot of men enjoy that, but they don't want to talk about it or have it brought up. And Stanford is there and he reveals that he doesn't like anything in his ass. So that's a fun fact we learned about Stanford in this episode. Yeah, it was a little unclear if he was joking, like, haha, I'm gay, of course I do. Or if he actually doesn't and he's like exclusively a top. I was yeah. I was unclear on what was happening there. Uh, but... He seemed pretty serious. They all laughed and he was like, no, seriously. So, all right. Go for Stanford. Yeah, go for it, Stanford. So Charlotte is talking about that's why she loves her dog because he's so wonderful and doesn't have any problems. And <laughs> Carrie's like, yeah, I guess so. But Carrie's also ordering double vodkas. Seems like she's really nervous that Big is going to show up with some like beautiful model and say something. And just as she's thinking that, she hears his voice say, happy birthday, baby. And he walks in, gives her a kiss. And we reveal that his quote unquote date is actually his friend from season one who we remember Big brought on him and Carrie's first date known as Mr. Marvelous because he is very cranky. Last time we saw him, he had just gone through a breakup. And when Carrie asked him how he was, he said, oh, marvelous. So she is very excited to see him because he's not some like young model and gives him a hug and says, how are you? And he says, oh, marvelous. I just broke up with some woman, but luckily she didn't get my money. So that seems to be a chronic more. Yeah, he was much more profane than that. That's the cleaned up version. You know, (laughs) we're not an explicit podcast here. So they're still at the dinner. It's a bit later. It seems like after they've eaten. And we see that there's a bunch of belly dancers gathered around Mr. Big. And they're doing their belly dance thing. But Mr. Big is putting money in their bras like you would with a stripper. I don't know if that's a normal thing for restaurants like that. It seems a little degrading, but they seem super into it. So I I I got some insight into that when we get the commentary. I mean, good for them to get that money. So at the dinner, Miranda's asking Carrie what Mr. Big is doing there. And she explains she told him to stop by for a drink, but she didn't think that she'd stay for a lap dance. But then at the other end of the table, Susan, who's also at the birthday party, is trying to get with Jack, a.k.a. Mr. Marvelous. And she's talking and talking about, you know, I don't know. I don't want to break up with my husband, but also I need to take care of myself and just talking And he kind of stops her and pushes her fork down and just says, do you ever shut the fuck up? 
And Susan looks, she doesn't look hurt. She looks more sad. And we learned from the voiceover that that really made her miss her husband. So we cut to later that night, Charlotte comes home and she finds that Henry has pooped on the floor. And then she goes into the bedroom and he's on the bed and he is ripped open pillows. And she's like, no, Henry, bad dog. So we learn through Carrie's voiceover that Charlotte has to give Henry away. But don't worry, she actually gave him to Susan and Richard, who are now reconciled. And Henry has become the glue that holds their marriage together. And we have a scene of the two of them pretty happily on the couch. And (laughs) the dog jumps into both of their laps and is just doing his dog bark. And Richard is screaming at him, shut the fuck up. And I actually thought it was very funny because he was rage screaming at people, but he wasn't aggressive to this dog. And I just feel like he just likes to yell and that's a good outlet. So I actually like that part. I did not like that part. Well, (laughs) but that's not quite the end of the episode. We have a final scene and it's the after hours of Carrie's birthday. She finds herself walking down the street with just Mr. Big and he asks her if she needs a ride home or if she needs cab there and she refuses and then he makes a joke about good because he spent all his cash on belly dancers and they kind of laugh about that and then he gets into his car and says all right you know happy birthday have a good night drives away and carries there alone on the street and she kind of says in the voiceover that the one thing she can't say to mr big is that she's still not over him and that is the end of this episode Woo. so megan overall impression of this episode absolutely hated it. I think it is probably my least favorite episode of all time now. Really? Yeah. I still really don't like Models and Mortals, but this one is terrible in my opinion. I feel like Kristen, you kind of niced things up a little bit in your recap, but like there are scenes where Susan and Sharon like visibly seems like scared of her husband and they're really just minimizing his verbal and emotional abuse of her. And I'm just like, this is shitty. I don't know why we think this is a joke. So yeah, someone please stop Darren Starr from writing, please. This is just like offensive. I hated it. The whole thesis of the episode is essentially, if you pare it down, should you be 100% honest with your partner or not? And it's just a really sloppy and poorly executed theme, in my opinion. Like, it just didn't feel very cohesive. Like, the different stories didn't really, they felt like a stretch, you know what I mean? Like, remember we were talking about that in Okamali Faithful? It just Mm -hmm. felt like a stretch. Felt the same for this episode. And the only thing that I would say is funny about Richard screaming, which is how mad he was about the Natalie Imbruglia CD. I don't think anyone has ever yelled like this about Natalie Imbruglia in the history of Natalie Imbruglia. He was really passionate about that CD being in the case. Yeah. Don't put Natalie in you two or he will be very angry. So yeah. Yeah. Those are my initial thoughts. I have a lot more comments, but... This episode was really dark. I think my recap was a little bit more pleasant, but listeners, if you haven't watched the episode, yeah, it was, we'll get more into it. That's why we did a trigger warning at the beginning. He wasn't just yelling. He was face red, screaming at her. And that's pretty much how he delivered all of his lines. Every interaction was him just screaming. Screaming and swearing, not just, I mean, screaming is bad enough, but just swearing, being really demeaning. It was like, I just don't know why anyone thought that was a joke, you know? 
Well, it's interesting because nobody in the show takes it seriously either. Carrie was just so inconvenienced by Susan Sharon. She's being a horrible friend. I made a bunch of notes about it if we want to dig into that. And definitely dig into that. There's lots of things I have to say about that as well. I feel like it's not like they're 18 and inexperienced in life. Part of the show is that they're sophisticated women in their 30s. That she's not at all concerned about Sharon's safety or what else is going on. Carrie's mostly concerned about herself being put in an uncomfortable situation. If he's screaming like that while a friend is there, what do they do behind closed doors? It does not seem healthy. It seemed really pretty messed up. And then she went back to him. So which is like a classic cycle of abuse, by the way. Exactly. Especially because we know she doesn't have a great support system because Carrie is acting so put upon by letting her sleep on her couch for one night. I know. My first reaction to when Susan Sharon was calling Carrie to ask if she should leave Richard, I'm like, how has no one just told her that before? And Carrie gives like half-assed decent advice only because she's pushed and that she should believe him if she's not happy. And like, I don't know, it's one of those things that's always tricky, right? Like if you have a friend or a family member where you don't like their partner, Sometimes you don't really feel like it's your place to say anything. But like, if you openly see this man being abusive, I feel like you have every right to be like, hey, you should probably get out of this relationship. What that person does with that information, you know, is up to them. But I just can't believe no one has told her that she should leave her husband at this point. I mean, she doesn't see a lot of people. That's part of an abusive relationship. They isolate you. Oh my gosh. Yes. Terrible. Also, here's another way I thought Carrie was a bad friend. How tacky is it for your friend to tell you that she got you this gift? There, it's tacky on both parts. How tacky is it to tell your friend that the gift that you got them is worth $900? And how tacky is it for you to say, oh my gosh, can I return it so I can get the cash? Well, I was also just because like shocked. We're led to believe that Susan Sharon is a buyer or has a connection with the cashmere because she says it's going for $900 at Barney's. So she didn't pay $900 for it. This is in the 90s where you could still like return something without a receipt for cash. Carrie basically wants to do a con, which is you getting this at wholesale price, giving Mm -hmm. it to me, and then I'm going to return it to Barney's and get the cash so I can pay my rent because I maxed out my card on a a dress. No, I think it's really rude. But I mean, on top of that, it's super rude to not even later be like, hey, is it cool if I return this scarf or like if you need it? The second she like opens But instantly to be like, oh, it's beautiful. But I'd rather have money. I know. Way to be like, I hate it and just give me the cash. And then later, when she's telling Miranda and Co. about what happened, they're all like, oh, what a terrible situation to put you in, Carrie. And Miranda even says, if they stay together and she doesn't want to be your friend anymore, there goes your cashmere connection. And Carrie doesn't say like, yeah, but also she's my friend and I want what's best for her and I don't want to lose a friend over this. No, mostly just worried about the cashmere. Yeah. If I remember correctly, I think Susan Sharon's job was that she worked for some like Italian cashmere company or producer. She's a, she's not a buyer because she doesn't work for Bernie's, but like she ensures that stores that want to buy the cashmere have it in stock. That was my impression from it at least. Yeah. Yeah. But exactly though, she didn't spend $900 to get that scarf. No. She has a connection, but Carrie wants full retail price for it because she's greedy. (laughs) Also, like, just do that and don't tell your friend. Yeah. 
which is funny, me saying that based on the theme of the show. Listen, there's sometimes where the truth isn't always the best solution, which is, I think, what this show, this episode was like trying to sloppily get at. Well, the other thing about the original movie, The Awful Truth, is that it's a couple that is going through a divorce. And I think they realize that they actually still love each other. So I Mm -hmm. think that was part of the the Susan Sharon and the Carrie Big Mm -hmm. storylines. That's a good point. That probably is part of it also. Here's something I noticed. So remember last season we were talking about like Cynthia Nixon must have a no nudity clause because in all of her sex scenes, she's covered up with the blanket. We see her boobs this time. We so I'm do. Like, oh, interesting. Has the no nudity clause expired? Does it not exist? What's happening? Very curious. I guess she decided to go for it. And I hope she was comfortable doing it because to me, there's really no payoff or point to her actually being fully nude in any of those scenes. We get yeah. it. We're having sex. They're not sexy scenes. No, they're not. They really, really aren't. No. I thought it was a little funny that Charlotte was like the dirty talk whiz of the gals. Something a little unexpected. Yeah, it was like one of those things. Her personality is so prim that they always go to that joke. And I thought it was kind of hacky. Yeah, I mean, it's similar to like the threesome episode, right? Where everyone's like, oh my gosh, no one would ever think that Charlotte wants to have a threesome. Right. I know what you're saying, but I do like when they just like give her something that's not so predictable. It's predictable and that's a trope that's going to keep happening. But I also think it's better than her just being completely one dimensional and like only missionary sex and only have sex with a man if you're planning on marrying him, that kind of stuff. So I, I didn't think it was that bad. I thought it was a little funny. Yeah, no, I can understand that. I hate talking head scenes, as you know, but Mm -hmm. the one directorial credit I will give Alan this time around is that I did like where it seemed like Susan Sharon was a talking head and then it like transitions. I was like, oh, that's kind of fun. The scene with James and Samantha that I mentioned during the recap was really weird. Did you clock that one? When they're in the bedroom before they agree to go to therapy. It was staged like a play. We had talked about that guest star being a soap actor. Yeah, it's very much ringing. This felt like a soap actor. Yeah, I agree. And then I don't know if you noticed this, but they play like Muzak during some scenes. But Mm. in the scene where Carrie called Mr. Big to thank him for the flowers, They were playing this insane, like, springtime love music a little too loud in the background through the whole scene. And then it (laughs) switches to Samantha and James in therapy, and there's, like, a new-agey kind of sound. It was distracting to me. Why is there Mm -hmm. so much sound effect in the back? Yeah. I want to talk about the Mr. Big Flowers thing. Okay. Yes. That is completely psychotic. Why are you sending your ex flowers on her birthday? Do we think that he did it or do we think that he does just have a book of names and his secretary sends best witches on your birthday to like any female and he forgot to like take her name off after they broke up? Right. So the distinction that he made was my secretary has your birthday, but I'm the one that bought the flowers. Right. Um, But he could be saying that. I don't think that he's lying because to what end, you know, that she called him and then he. I know. But then if if it was just his secretary and he was not even a little bit interested in seeing her, then he'd be like, no, sorry, my secretary just sends everybody flowers on their birthday. Mm, That's a good point. 
Also, when Carrie decides to call him, she's like, I could be polite. Literally the lies people tell themselves just as yeah. an excuse to get back in touch with their ex. Oh, yeah. Hilarious. Like, Carrie, just leave it alone. You're the one that broke up with him because you wanted him to tell you that he was in love with you and he wasn't ready to do that. So, like, of course, he still likes you. If you just wanted to casually see him, he still probably wants to do that. So yeah. like somebody like that, you can't have contact with. It was weird and inappropriate that he sent her flowers and then showed up to her birthday. But like fact she invited him. What? It's worse Sorry. that she said you should come and then didn't backtrack it. She shouldn't have said that. She shouldn't have even called him. No, of course not. It is one of those things that I don't even judge Carrie as the character for doing that because I know breakups are hard. They are her, her, I believe, only serious relationship that she described last episode. So it's got to be. I rough. know, but he's obviously breadcrumbing her. He sends her flowers, but then sends the most non-committal note ever. He just doesn't want her to move on with her life. Oh no, he's a terrible person for sure, and she does not realize that because she's also a terrible person. But you break up with somebody who you're still probably in love with. It's only been a month at this point. I guess it's a bit longer. Unclear how long it's been. And that's why I didn't really understand the last line of this episode where Carrie's like, the only thing I couldn't say to him was I'm still not over him. Really? Because you guys didn't really talk that much when you were together. Why would you need to tell him that? Like, yeah, you're probably not still over him. You just broke up a month and a half ago. Or however long, recently. So yeah, the last line should be like, I realize I can't be around him because I still really like him. That's going to be normal. You don't need to be around him. Don't invite him to your birthday. Also, one, don't invite him to your birthday. Two, Mr. Beg, what are you doing? Don't show up to the birthday. And three, if you're going to show up, don't get lap dances in front of your ex. Then that on was her birthday. Really weird. With you. I do have some insight into that because I was like, why the fuck is he treating these women like strippers? This is disgusting. So then I was like, well, I actually don't know that much about belly dancing. So I looked into it a little bit. You are supposed to tip belly dancers if you enjoy the show. They've got little pouches, kind of like pockets near the hips and the waist of their flowing pants. And then I guess if you want to be really risque, it's okay to put money in the back of their bra, but not the front and the cleavage. Apparently that is very offensive. Yeah. And he did do that. So he was being poorly behaved. I mean, even though some of the stuff is, I guess, technically okay, it's still been so well with me. Especially when you're at your ex-girlfriend's birthday party and all the ladies are crowded around you. I guess he's trying to make her jealous was the idea. I don't really know or see that obtuse that he doesn't realize. I think the show wants us to think that he's just like hot, cool man about town that these ladies just come over to him and, you know, what's he going to do? Be rude? Yeah, it was just super weird and rude. And like, it was also very awkward because like while these women are like dancing around him, he's talking to her loudly across the table. So how are you doing? What are you doing here? Just leave. It's crazy. I made a new section in my notes called questions for Megan. So as a role play game, if you went over to a friend's apartment and you had a similar experience to where their husband woke up and started screaming and not just screaming at them, but when you went to leave, they like screamed at you, get the fuck out of here. 
and then your friend called you and said, what should I do? Should I break up with him? What would you say in that situation? I would say, yeah, fucking run. Are you kidding? And then if they were I'm like, saying... can I come stay with you? Yeah, sure. Come stay with me. I mean, I have, a, I have a two bedroom. Come on over. I don't think I would say as blatantly, yeah, run. I would probably say like, well, I can't tell you what to do. But based on what I just saw, I'm scared for you. And I think you should seek some resources. It would depend. If the man had not yelled at me and just yelled at her, that is probably how I would frame it. But if he also yelled at me, no, leave this man. Maybe that makes me sound narcissistic. No, I mean, I did. I did write in my notes yelling at Carrie. I feel like was crossing a line because maybe it was their own thing and they do whatever. But I'm never screamed at like my own life, my own relationship. I don't want that. Yeah. I that on other people. So obviously he has no control over himself. No, he's psychotic. That man has to go. He's terrible. I have to say, we kind of touched on this a little bit. All of Miranda's sex scenes made me want to just hide my face in a pillow. It was so cringy. I could not bear it. It was so bad. And I watched, you know, as I have mentioned before, I watch each episode like two, three times. And I'm Did just you mute like, it? I had to mute it. Yeah. I was like, I cannot watch this again. This is so fucking crazy. And there were three of them. There's the scene where he's talking to her. Then there's the scene where she's like starting to get into it. And then there's the last one where they're really both into it. And then she goes too far. Which that's where the that's the one thing that's too far. Get a grip, dude. That's obviously just like him being uncomfortable with his sense of manliness or whatever. I mean, I Uh, guess that's like the whole thing. The whole series of Miranda's scenes were just building up for that one joke mm -hmm. that like, oh, but you can't say that. That's true. And it wasn't worth the screen time for the payoff because I didn't find it particularly funny. But no, I didn't find it funny at all. I found it very awkward. I really was just like, I can't wait until this episode is over. The scenes were were not not good. And that was the sex we had for this episode. Yeah, Um, not great. Not great. Did we talk about this already? James's reaction to her saying that he's a small penis. I was laughing at the notes in the recap. That part is funny, but also just like so toxic. Like maybe you just have a large vagina. What? No. So it was kind of the idea behind the whole James's character is that he's this great caring boyfriend who like gets along with Samantha fine, but she's freaking out the whole time because she's like, I can't tell him this one thing. I can't tell him this one thing. And then he just pushes it. And then when she tells him, which she didn't say it in a very sensitive way. No, um, she says it because she feels but, pushed. And right. And it just comes out. Right. But his immediate reaction is, oh, it's over then. And it's so childish to be like, you have a big vagina. Yeah. And then and this is all after he's been reassuring her their entire therapy session. There's nothing you could say that would upset me. Right. James. Yeah. I actually thought it was a satisfying ending. I'm glad that she's not in that relationship anymore because it was a boring storyline. It was. And And it it was really made her so self-involved. Yeah. You know, I guess sometimes when you are miserable... That is I think all you can focus on. I do think that the way they played it, though, have re- oh, like a retroactive sympathy for her because it was like she knows him really well. 
and she likes him. So she knows if she says this, it's going to be over. And that's why she's been holding back so much. Like, because it did seem like Samantha's a very sexual person. If she's not having sex, why is she whining about this so much? But like, well, she does really enjoy being with him otherwise. And so she's trying to avoid the thing that she knows is going to force them to break up because she knew that when she said it, it was going to be over. So I guess she was right about him. She was, but also like why agree to go to therapy just to leave? Yeah. Oof. What about Charlotte's storyline? Stupid. Very, very stupid. Who is she hiding anything from is what I don't understand. What lie was she trying to hide? I think she was lying to herself about the dog. She clearly wants a husband who's rich and has an ugly, but she thinks is attractive soap opera face. Okay. So with Henry, Charlotte's dog, I get that it's supposed to be like, Henry's like every other guy. If he's not perfect or doesn't meet Charlotte's impossible standards, then he's disposable and she gets rid of him. And I'm just like, that's super irresponsible as a pet owner. You can't like buy a dog and then not even take any steps to train it. No obedience. Well, that's what I found nothing. annoying is that why doesn't she have him crate trained if he's chewing up shoes? There are so many things that you can do. If your dog is destroying your apartment, it's because they're bored and they're not stimulated. It's 1999 at this point. This isn't like the Stone Ages. They knew yeah. about dog training. In dog trainer exists. Darren Star. I just didn't like the irresponsible pet parenthood displayed in this episode. Yeah. From the moment that Charlotte is introduced with this dog, I was just so scared for the dog. You know that she doesn't have it later on. There's no way she keeps this thing. What is it? Is it going to get hit by a car? Because that's the way that the show would do it. It bit Charlotte and ran away and got run over by a bus. Stupid dog. Right, right. So I'm glad. Um, I'm glad the dog didn't die, but also like amazing. You sent it to an abusive household. I think that like my dad is not a yeller. He doesn't yell at us or my mom, but he does like to yell insults at my mom's dog. We're all the dogs we've ever had. We'd be like, oh, you, you stupid dog. And sometimes they're really funny. And I realized that that's, that's what it is about the scene that made me laugh. It was reminding me of my dad. Like one time he told my mom's dog that's some kind of beagle hound mix. And he was howling and being loud. And my dad was Timmy? like, yeah, he's like, shut up, Timmy. You lousy excuse for a beagle. Wow. And I just love the idea of insulting a dog because he doesn't know. He's just happy my dad's paying attention to him. Yeah. Do you think there are any boundaries on things you should slash shouldn't say in a relationship? Yeah, I do. But not things like she's clearly sexually unhappy. You don't have to say like, you've got a small dick and I don't like it. If you're not sexually happy, the relationship is going to be doomed. So not saying that is a disservice. And then not telling someone that they should leave their husband is also a disservice. You know what Carrie shouldn't have said? She shouldn't have said, hey, I'm going to return this cashmere scarf for $900. Yeah, that is something I feel like you shouldn't say if someone gets you a gift you don't like and you return it. 
Yeah. Like, no, I mean, what purpose? This show is so black and white about that. Not just in this episode. You could tell your boyfriend that, like, you're not having pleasurable sex and you need to try other things without being like, you have a teeny tiny little dick and I don't respect you as a man. You can mm-hmm. tell your friend that she should break up with her husband because he seems abusive without being like, yes, you must do what I tell you. You can support right. There's tons of things that you can do without saying the most hurtful thing. And it's called healthy communication and it's a concept that this show does not understand no of course there's things you're not gonna exactly say but like the message of it should still be there i don't know this is just an example maybe you date someone and you weren't into them at first and then you actually like them do you need to tell them that you weren't into them at first what yeah what benefit is that so those are the kind of things where i'm like no you don't need to tell people that because it's not productive and not helpful but all of the examples in this episode were so ridiculous and things that you should actually tell people that I was just like Ugh, you guys this is so sloppy yeah the theme was loose it was very sloppy it was super sloppy should we jump into the segment I think so let's do nostalgia oh okay Honestly, I didn't see anything that I was like, oh, this makes me feel really nostalgic. So I wanted Um, to see if you saw anything. I have two things. Well, first is you did see it. It didn't make you nostalgic, apparently. Yelling at somebody about not putting a CD back in a case, especially Natalie. Uh, Yeah, I was too distracted by the yelling. Yeah, that was an ever-present issue in my house because my sister would borrow my CDs and leave them out of, put them in the wrong case or she'd put two in the same case Mm -hmm. and it's like, it's Mm going to get scratched. It's a bad move. Yeah, no, that's totally right. I was just too distracted from the yelling to notice. Then the other thing I noticed is that when Carrie goes into Susan Sharon's apartment, she's like, oh my gosh, this apartment is so beautiful and like such an adult apartment. And it was a huge apartment, but it was nice in a 90s decor way. Everything Mm -hmm. was like heavy wooden furniture and like red plaid. If you saw that now, it would be like on TikTok and some person would be painting everything pink. Yeah, or making fun of it. Like how on TikTok, the the Gen Zs will go around and show all of the dumb millennial decor and make fun of it. Yeah, Yeah. it is very heavy. A lot of of matching curtains and table drapes. Yeah, the curtains were really ugly, to be honest. But Yeah, I don't find that stuff attractive. I don't know if it's just because it's so out of style now or if I ever thought it was nice, but I would not want my apartment to look like that now. Honestly, same. And then my last nostalgia thing, when they're at Charlotte's apartment and she's like, we have to go home in case Richard calls. It would just be so different now. Instead, she would be like on her phone and they would try and take it away from her. Be like, yeah, don't, don't text him. Or she'd be waiting for the three dots to pop up of him texting. Uh, yeah, honestly, I feel like I just missed so much in this episode because I disliked it so much. Now that you're saying this stuff, I'm like, oh, yeah, of course, that's nostalgic. But like, I just couldn't see beyond just how much I hated it. And that is valid. That is a good criticism because it was bad. What about fashion? I have a couple of things for fashion. Go for it. The first, and I feel like maybe we've called this out previously, but I feel like this was really popular in the late 90s through to the mid 2000s where Carrie was wearing a necklace that is just her name. Having name things. That trend is coming back and I'm a big fan of it. Yeah. I I had a necklace my mom gave me that was an M. Yeah. 
I like fun. I wouldn't want my full name, but I could do an initial. But yeah, the Carrie necklace I thought was kind of funny. And then her birthday outfit, it was like kind of cute, but also for what it was, it felt a little bit frumpy, especially for what she usually wears. So I was I like, I feel like she was trying to dress on theme for the Moroccan restaurant. She had like she, braids and like, no, she totally dress. was. I just feel like she could have made the outfit cuter. It looked a little bit frumpy. I just feel like the idea of dressing up in a theme to go to a Moroccan restaurant, that seems kind of childish. I'm not like a themed birthday person. But that wasn't really the biggest flag for me. The only flag from the birthday party was just Mr. Big treating the ballet dancers like strippers. I didn't like any of the fashion in this one. I kind of didn't either. The only thing I have is that Miranda still has really short, spiky hair in this episode. Uh-huh. When the sex scenes, it was real spiked. It's a little too short and a little too spiky. So I'm looking forward to it growing out a little bit. The one thing in this episode that I absolutely loved was when Carrie went to answer the door when the flowers were getting delivered. She was wearing a robe and it was purple with pink flowers on it. And then it had some really big like sequin-y reflecting pieces hanging from it. It was really, really cute. I would get one of those if I could buy a robe like that. Why can't you? I don't know. If if I saw one, I would buy it. I mean, I wouldn't max out my credit card to get it. But if you ever gave me a $900 cashmere scarf, I would return it and then buy that robe. But don't tell me that you returned it. No, I would tell you instantly. You wouldn't even have thrown the wrapping paper away yet. No, you would laugh (laughs) about it and you would say, oh, oh, Kristen, your inability to save money to pay your bills is so so quirky and fun. It's so charming. But yeah, not a great, not a great fashion episode. No. Should we jump into what's problematic besides literally the entire episode? Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to belabor a lot of these points because we've talked about them already. Yeah, let's just touch on it. Treating them belly dancers like they're strippers. There's nothing wrong with being a stripper, just to be clear. Belly dancing and stripping are distinct entities. So like treating them interchangeably is pretty fucked up. Obviously, the verbal abuse and yelling in this episode was way too prevalent, as well as kind of just displaying the toxic Stockholm syndrome thing of Susan Sharon then like missing her abusive husband. Right. Getting a dog and getting rid of it immediately instead of trying to train it. That's what I said. And treating it like it's an accessory. She just had him in every scene out in public. It's a dog. It's a living creature. The idea of grand gestures, being able to fix a broken and dysfunctional relationship with your ex, not cute. Oh, that's a good one. And then we talked about this one a little bit, but just that there are some things that you don't necessarily need to tell your partner or like if you tell them, you can be a little bit more delicate about it. But just like the things in this episode were just really bad examples, you know, so that those were all the problematic things for me. Yeah, I agree with all of them. Good call outs. Also, it's along the same lines as what you were saying with the abuse. If you see your friend or you witness something like that, it's worth it to say something. You don't have to tell them, leave your husband, but you should say that is not a way a normal relationship is, in my opinion. And Or just want- say that you're concerned. Yeah, uh, exactly. What about things that hold up? I have a couple things. I have kind of touched on it already. Just the idea that when you break up with somebody, either it's abusive relationship or it's just a dysfunctional one like Carrie and Big had. 
it's hard and I don't fault Carrie. I don't. It's just so cringe. <laughs> it's hard to watch in real life and it's hard to watch in this show. And so I do think that unfortunately, like you're probably not going to be able to cut it off the first time. For sure. So for me, this one is a little more lighthearted, but just like having a weird nickname for a guy that you're not dating seriously. Uh, like, yeah, eh, my friends don't need to know his name. So spring roll guy kind of made me laugh. I'm like, oh, yeah, I do that with my friends all the time. You don't need to know this person's name until it's actually something. So like we will give him some sort of nickname so that you know who I'm talking about, but like not his real name because then it becomes too personal or whatever, you know. So I thought that was pretty funny. The other thing I wrote was what holds up is that Darren Sir is still a really bad writer. It's not great. Really bad. Really bad writer. There's been so many star episodes. Does he not understand what abuse is? We come here every time where he'll just write something that's like really problematic and pretty blatant and then be like, ah, isn't that funny? Like, no, it isn't. It's really, really it's not, not Darren. <laughs> I need you to stop with this. It's getting out of control. The other thing that I really, when I saw the thesis statement of this episode, I was really hoping it was going to be more about what you can share in a relationship because being with Mitch this long, he always jokes about like, I don't think you have a single secret. I tell him everything. Mm -hmm. Things that I don't want him to know and he doesn't really want to know. I'm going to tell him anyway because I can't not say it. So I thought that that would be something that would hold up for me of like the limit, but they didn't really address it. I'm hoping maybe there'll be some more real relationships so I can relate to it a bit more. Fair enough. Yeah. We gotta, do, we gotta do Hero and Villain of the Week. Oh my gosh. This was a tough one because there were so many villains in this week's episode. In a world of villains, who shall be the hero? Yeah. So for the hero, I said Miranda is the hero. Of all of the gals, she's the least problematic. And you know what? Props for her going out of her comfort zone with the dirty talk stuff. Even though it didn't pan out and it made me want to throw up in my mouth, she tried something new. And yeah. Good for her. I think I agree with that. I'm also going to say as a side character, Stanford, also hero. He wasn't really in it that much, but we know that he organized the birthday party for Carrie. And yeah. And he was talking shit about Mr. Big as a good friend. Yeah. About yeah. And Carrie kind of treats him as a B friend, but I think he brings a friend energy to situations. Oh, yeah. So I respect that. Stanford's for sure a friend energy. Love that for him. Yeah. That's a good one. I thought you were going to say Henry. <laughs> no, I mean, Hen didn't Henry it. didn't get to be a hero because they didn't. No. You know, it's not, you fail a dog when you don't train it. It's not the dog's Agreed. fault. Agree. Villain of the week. Ugh, this one was so hard. I picked Charlotte. And the only reason I didn't pick Carrie is because I was like, well, it's her birthday. <laughs> But Charlotte, mainly for the stuff that we talked about with her being like a non-committal pet owner and just like getting a dog without doing any research and then like not being willing to even train it or like try and make it work out. You can't treat a dog like your boyfriend. Agree. Like it. I think I'm going to go with Carrie as the villain this episode. I was. Oh, yeah. Chris really care about birthdays. <laughs> I don't care about birthdays. It's not her real birthday. And I was just really horrified by all of her treatment of Susan Sharon. I had a lot of notes of just being like, mean, 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 hate Carrie. Yeah. It was close. Samantha was also really bad this episode. 
Yeah, like, but at least she was going through her own yeah. struggles with her relationship. Like Carrie was just meeting out with a friend who could use a good friend. And Carrie was like, oh, no, how is this going to affect me? How is this going to inconvenience me? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. just being a baby. And then she invites Big to her birthday party. And everybody's probably didn't have a great time because the birthday girl's getting drunk and is probably just staring at Big the whole time. And it's awkward. It is awkward. That's fair. Time for ratings. Yeah. This is the part of the show where we rate the episode based on the quality of the sex and the quality of the city. And we've also recently added an overall episode rating. Kristen, would you like to go first? I would. So first I rated sex. I went with a two. Be generous. I was generous. I really thought about it this time. And I was like, well, if three is just kind of the, there's just so much traumatic sex in this show that I was like, well, I got to reserve stuff, but there needs to be a limit. So I went with a two because A, there is sex. And even though it's gross to watch and I muted it and I did not enjoy it or find it sexy, it was still pretty sex positive. Miranda, like you were saying, she tries something new. She puts herself out there and she finds out that she's into it. So I think overall that's a positive message. So I'm going with a two. All right. City, I also said two. There wasn't anything super exceptional, but there were a few on the street scenes. And then overall, Mm -hmm. I gave it a 0.5. I feel like that probably we could do a zero on this one. So I'm going to reserve it. We're still new. But I don't believe there could be an episode worse than this. It was bad. There was a cute dog in it, which I enjoyed. And I'm glad they didn't kill off the dog at the end. I'm going to assume Susan Sharon puts all of her love and attention into this dog. So even though she's abused, the dog will have a good life. And you get half a point for a cute pup. You are much more generous than I was this week. All right. Um, Which is usually the opposite. I know. Sex gets a one. It was just so unpleasant for me to watch. I know what you're saying with your rating, but this was like so bad. I wanted to literally suffocate myself in a pillow. I was like, please stop. I hate this so much. Suffering. Please don't make me watch this again. City, I also gave two. Just like nothing notable. And like to your point, not even any like fun walking scenes, except I guess at the end with Mr. Big, but it's dark and you can't even see anything. So I gave it a two, slightly below average because there was nothing notable. And then overall, I gave the episode a negative five. Oh, you I know that's negative. not technically no. within our rating system, but okay. for this specific episode, negative five. I think I gave Models and Mortals a similar rating. We didn't do an overall review of season one, so. We didn't, but I know there was stuff in it that I gave negative numbers for. I do have a follow-up question on your rating. Sure. Did you, as far as this episode is, it's a combination of the topics being problematic and also the episode being kind of cringe and not entertaining? I think this was not even just kind of problematic. It was incredibly problematic. That is just like such a like trigger thing for me that I was just like, ugh. And I realized that I've been probably the most critical that I've ever been for this episode. But I really, really just think it was fucked up that they even did this episode. So I gave it a negative five. And I think that's fair. I appreciate your honesty on that. Yeah. And the sex was cringy. The dog shit was like not even worth it for me because Charlotte was a bad dog owner 
And I was thinking during this that Charlotte would do well with like one of those like fancy designer cats, like a mm. solid white one with a pink leather collar. She, I feel like she does get a dog later. Yeah, I recall because I watched a couple of those episodes of the new show, and I think she has a dog. But it's one of those like really like kind of prissy dogs. You oh, know? Is, is Elizabeth Taylor in? She names her dog. She names it Elizabeth Taylor. I don't know if it was Elizabeth Taylor. I can't remember. But anyway, to me, there was nothing redeeming in this episode, and it was a slog to watch to the point where like I missed a bunch of shit because I was just so mad watching it every yeah. time yeah i'm glad you gave it a negative five i am curious to see where the season takes us i had very high expectations last episode because yeah, the first episode was so good this one pushed it down but is this the floor we shall see i feel like it has to be i hope i certainly hope so but clearly darren star has not learned anything i have not watched emily and perry but i've heard that it is also awful so maybe he has yeah i mean thematically not that awful just really stupid <laughs> okay well maybe he learns what an abusive situation is and like the definition of consent maybe who knows who knows all right well i think that's all we have for you guys this week thank you for joining us for another week of i'm sorry i can't don't hate me we hope you enjoyed the episode join us next week as we review season two episode three the freak show if you have feedback or things you'd like us to talk about uh, in future future episodes, please feel free to email us or DM us on Instagram. Our email and Instagram handle are listed in the show notes. If you send something, we may even read it on the pod. So don't forget to rate, review, and share the podcast with your friends and fellow Sex in the City fans or non-fans. And we will see you next week. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.